The title of this morning's lesson is, It's Time to Wake Up. The text, which I'll get to later, is found in Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, verses 31 to 62, but I'll have probably a few verses before that. A rooster and a fox lived in a forest. The rooster was very intelligent and clever. One day, a fox was hungry and spotted a rooster sitting on a tree branch. On seeing the rooster, the fox thought of capturing it. But for that, he would have to call the rooster down. The fox thought about how he could get that rooster into climbing down from the tree. So he asked the rooster to come down as he no longer needed to be afraid of other animals like himself. He said that the king had passed an order and that no animal could harm any other animal. The fox said that they could go together to the king and clarify with him what was said. The rooster smelled something fishy and said that let's go to the king and take some of our friends with us as well. The fox told the rooster that to go to the king, he needed to come down first. So the fox is still trying to convince that rooster to come down. The rooster was listening to the fox and knew that the fox was trying to fool him. The rooster thought quickly and said that some hounds were coming their way and that they could talk to the hounds and let the hounds and the rooster and the fox all to go together to talk to the king. Hearing this, the fox panicked because the hounds were coming and he ran away saying that the news it had not reached the hounds yet. The fox immediately fled from there. And in this way, the rooster saved his own life. The moral of the story, the moral is the cleverness always saves you from danger. The clever and intelligent rooster outwitted the cunning fox and escaped from danger. Proverbs 8, verses 32 to 35 tell us, Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains and obtains favor from the Lord. And then I could read in 1 Corinthians New Testament 3.19, for the wisdom of this world is foolish, foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the earthly wise in their own craftiness. How many of us have ever fallen asleep in church? The statistics show that most people have at least once. In the days of the pilgrims, we know that the churches had a person they called a tithing man. His job was to keep people awake during the sermons. Usually, these sermons lasted two to three hours in length. And they used a long pole, and they would poke you. The following are just a few reasons individuals have given for falling asleep in church. They got up too early. Or they've been up too late the night before. Or the sermon's just plain boring. 
which I'm sure isn't the case to anyone here in Chardon, or because they've worked hard all week and they just couldn't help themselves, or because of the medications they're taking. But then there are other times when people fall asleep but have their eyes wide open. A friend of mine tells me of a time years ago when he was younger that he remembers being in love with a special girl. She often occupied his thoughts, even when he was at church. One day at church during the sermon, he began thinking about this girl. And during the daydreaming, he reached over and squeezed her knee right there in church. Only problem was she wasn't seated there. It was his sister seated beside him. It took a long time to explain to his sister why he had reached over and squeezed her knee. Literally, he was asleep in church, even when he was awake. His mind was on other things, and he needed to be woke up. Even the apostle Peter fell asleep in church a few times. In Luke 9, we're told that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain of transfiguration. And while Jesus was praying, Moses and Elijah appeared with him. But what does verse 32 say of Luke 9? Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Peter was falling asleep. Then in Luke 22, verse 45, we're told that Peter fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus rose from prayer and went back to the disciples whom he found sleeping. And this happened not once, not twice, but three times Jesus was praying with grief, knowing that he was going to be put to death, knowing the suffering that he was going to go through, the grief that he had. And he would ask the disciples, please stay awake with me. And all three times, he came back and found them sleeping. Peter did worse than fall asleep in church. He fell asleep on Jesus. But even worse than that, he was often asleep in church. Even when his eyes were wide open. And I ask you today, again, how many times have we fallen asleep in church? Not necessarily eyes closed, snoring or out. But how many times have we fallen asleep with our eyes wide open? Peter was there with Jesus. He was listening to the preacher, but his mind was on other things and he needed to be woken up. In Matthew 16, for example, Jesus was teaching Peter and the other apostles about his death, about his burial and about his resurrection. But somewhere along the line, Peter fell asleep to what Jesus was saying. And verse 22 tells us, Peter says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. His mind was elsewhere. He was asleep to what Jesus was saying. So Jesus woke him up. Jesus turned and said to Peter in verse 23, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. And you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And that is how we can fall asleep. How often 
our minds may wander to earthly things. When a prayer is being offered, when we're thinking and reflecting upon communion and so on, we need to focus on God and what is being said there. And I am, by the way, I'm preaching this to myself, just like last Sunday. This is a follow-up of last Sunday's sermon. Now in our text this morning, now I'm switching to the text. We find that Peter has done this again. His eyes are open, but he's asleep in church. He's gone to sleep, and Jesus wants to wake him up. How do I know that Jesus wanted to wake him up? Well, last night, I knew that I needed to wake up this morning at a set time. So what did I think I had to do to make sure I got up? I set an alarm. I'm sure many of us, on a very important occasion, have set the regular alarm. You set your clock alarm, your, your phone alarm, your, um, you tell people to call you to wake you up, to make sure you're up, and, and so on. And sometimes I know that I've heard people talk about having multiple alarms set throughout just to make sure they got up. I needed something to wake me up. Peter needed something at this time to wake him up. Peter needed to have something to wake him up. So what did Jesus use? He used a rooster. For centuries, roosters have served the purpose of waking people up. And that's what Jesus used this rooster for. This bird was the tool that God used to wake Peter up. And I'd like to look at some basic truths. What was it that Jesus wanted Peter to wake up to? First, Peter needed to wake up to the fact that he wasn't strong enough to handle everything on his own. Peter was a man's man. Oh, he was a powerful, towering giant, as I picture. He was a force to be reckoned with. Peter might not have been the type to start fights, but it seemed like what we read about him, he could finish those fights. One of Peter's basic problems was that he always thought that he could handle everything. Lord, these people might deny you. Somebody else, but not me. When Jesus said to him that he was going to be betrayed, Peter said, hmm. <laughs> Not me. I'll follow you to prison or even to death. Nothing can stop me from protecting you. And when Jesus was arrested, who was it that pulled out their sword and whacked off the ear of one of the men? Peter. No one dared to touch Jesus with him around. He could handle anything or anyone. He was certainly sure of himself, sure of his strength. How many times do we hear people in the world today say, nah, I don't need to do that. I can handle it myself. I need no one. How many people you see just go into that isolation mode? I don't need church. I don't need to know about this. I can handle everything myself. Look at me. Look at what I've accomplished. He believed there was nothing he would face that he couldn't handle. But he was wrong. Peter couldn't handle everything. I'm now going to our text. Luke 22, verse 31. What does Jesus say to Peter? Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Peter, 
There's someone you can't beat. There's someone that you can't handle. There's someone who's bigger, smarter, and more powerful than you. His name is Satan. The devices that Satan uses. Peter's not the only person who's had or ever had a problem. Switching over to 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, it warns us that let everyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. That's a wake-up call to all believers. Anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. We're not as big and smart and as powerful as we think we might be. You can't handle everything on your own. Don't be so foolish to think that we can do anything without talking to God about it. Too many Christians fall into that Sunday-only mindset. They put on the hour of worship. They leave God back at the church building. They make decisions throughout the week without him. They face their challenges and difficulties without him. They may not deliberately do this with forethought, but oftentimes we end up by doing that. And we do it because we don't want to bother God. We're big boys, we're big girls. We don't need to have him involved constantly every day in our lives, do we? And obviously we do. I admit to you that I don't ask God, I'm saying again, I don't ask God's guidance about things as often as I should. I don't always pray as often as I might. I wonder if it is something that has happened to all of us at one time or another. We need to wake up to the fact that without him, we're not going to be able to handle the difficulties of this life. And that is what Jesus was telling Peter. He's saying, wake up. And that is what I'm sure God is telling each of us. I know he's telling me, wake up, wake up. Revelation, we have one of the churches saying that you lost your first love, that you used to have that desire and you lost that love or desire that you once had. We need to get it back. We need to make sure that we have that. We need to wake up and realize that we aren't as bad or aren't as big as in bad and as brainy as we might think we are because there is someone out there that might be waiting to take us down. I know that former heavyweight boxer James Quick Tills recalled his first day in Chicago after he arrived from Tulsa. He says, I got off the bus with two cardboard suitcases under his arms. He stopped in front of the Sears Tower. He put his suitcases down. Now, this is a large man, heavyweight boxer. He looks up at the tower and he says to himself, I'm gonna conquer Chicago. And then when he looked down, his suitcases were gone. Hmm. So much for conquering Chicago. He was a heavyweight boxer, big, bad. He was a rather scary kind of man. And he was going to conquer Chicago, but someone just took everything that he owned from him. Wake up, says Jesus. Take heed before you fall. Know that there are forces in this world that you can't take on by yourself. That was the first thing Jesus wanted Peter to wake up to. You can't do this on your own. 
So the second thing Jesus wanted to wake him up to was he didn't have to do everything on his own. Verses 59 to 61 of our text now, Luke 22. It tells us that about an hour later, another said, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Hmm. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. It is then that Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. <clears throat> Put yourself in that situation. You have told Jesus that you would fight for him, that you would even go to death for him. And then you realize as that rooster crows, not only do you hear the rooster crowing, but in Luke right here, you see that he turns and he can see Jesus. Their eyes meet. Did you ever have the individuals that could stare you down? I know my cross country coach, we always said that he would, ra you'd rather be screamed at than to have that piercing, stare that would just eat right through you. I don't picture that Jesus even had to have any glaring stare. It was just that eye connection, just that. And I could picture Jesus having a humble, quiet look on his face, a wake up call to Peter that ate right through your, his heart. Often, I find that if I don't fulfill something that I maybe should have, and I reflect back, I realize, oh boy, I could have handled that a different way. I feel guilty to the heart. Lord, I am sorry I didn't handle that better. I fell short. That's why we talk about praying for the shortcomings that we have in our lives because we know that there are times that we fall short. Peter fell short. That's what we remember. So how did Jesus know Peter would deny him three times? How did Jesus know that the rooster was going to crow when it did? Because Jesus is God. He created the rooster. They created Peter. We know that he knew he was in control. Isaiah 46, 9, 10, and 11 tells us, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. 
Jesus knew the temptation that Satan had planned for Peter. He knew how Peter would respond to that temptation. And Jesus wanted to wake Peter up to the fact that he knew that and that he was in control. And we know that these things that we read are written also for us. Not only did that apply for Peter to be woke up, but as John, near the end of the Gospel of John says, these things were written for us so that we may believe and that we could compare ourselves to these situations. When our life turns sour, when we are in our own heads, when we are in over our heads, when everything that we think we had control of suddenly collapses, remember this, that Jesus is still in control. Now that was hard for Peter to believe. Jesus was, had just been betrayed by a friend. He had been arrested. He's been put through all these illegal and humiliating trials. And that's just the beginning. Jesus is going to be beaten. He's going to be, be whipped. He's going to be taunted and spit upon by some of these same people that praised him just a few days before. He's going to be forced to drag his cross along the streets of Jerusalem. He's going to be nailed to that cross and lifted up on the cross as it is put in position and then dropped down in place, sure tearing the flesh in his hands and feet, the pain, and then he's going to die that slow agonizing death of all those who are crucified. And when he dies, they're going to bury his body in a borrowed grave. And as far as Peter can see, that's where Peter, Jesus is going to stay. Peter may be asking the question, was Jesus in control? Absolutely. Even though Peter couldn't see it. And so many times in our lives, we often have doubts. But we need to realize that God is still in control. Jesus was still in control. Now, one last observation. Why do roosters crow? They say that roosters crow for one basic reason. The sun has risen and there's a new day coming. Most often, when do we think that a rooster is going to crow? At daybreak, when they see the new sun. The old Peter needed to wake up to the fact that he couldn't do this all on his own. But then he didn't have to because Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was God come down in human form. And Jesus had come to change Peter's old life forever. A new day was coming. It would be a day when the old Peter's life would be buried and all forgotten. What does God tell us in Romans 6, verses 2 through 7? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been 
united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So often, even a few of my family members tell me that we don't need to be baptized, that it's a nice thing. And you often run into people that say that, that accept the Lord, your savior. But in these verses, pretty well right here, I see that there is a old and new man, that we are buried with him in baptism. Romans 6, we are buried with him in baptism, that we may walk in newness of life, that we contact that blood to wash away our sin. And that we come in to that new. When we are baptized in the waters of baptism, our old man dies. Our old life is buried. And we rise in newness of life. I'd like to close with this one verse. Ephesians 5.14 says to you, Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. That is our purpose this morning. So I encourage you, encouraging me, I encourage myself to look at that we can't do everything on our own, that we turn towards God, that we find the things here can rust, you know, whether it be trying to get riches and so on. We have the voices. Jesus saying to a rich man, thou fool, tonight thou soul is required of thee. Questions, what shall we give in exchange? Though we gain the whole world and lose our very own soul, what have we profited? So this morning, may we wake up, may we realize the blessings that we have. Like Peter, may we take off that old man and put on the new. As that rooster looks at our lives, may we look at the crowing knowing that we have a new life, a new start. If we have the need of coming forward and asking the prayers of the congregation to put off the old and try to get a new start, or if there's anyone in our audience that needs to take on the steps of being baptized, you have the opportunity to do so as together we stand and sing. Mm -hmm.